Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, a very happy Cameron McCoy, showing off his brand new, well, I guess it's a vintage guitar. So we've we've jumped both feet into the vintage side, or the hipster side yep. of uh, be, being old guys, and uh, you... Cameron, what what guitar did you pick up for those who abla guitar? Yeah, so it's a, a Fender Stratocaster. It's the one that Wayne from Wayne's World actually was. It will be mine. Oh yes, it will be mine. It's the same type of guitar. Mine's a vintage one as well. Uh, yeah, and it plays like a dream. It's all set up and refretted and all the other stuff to make it feel like a modern guitar. So restored. It's restored. Is that yes, yeah. Cool, cool. So. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I, I wish that we had a video podcast so people could see just the sheer joy radiating mm. out of you. Um, but I want to get to an important topic here, Cameron. So we're going to do our year in review kind of thing. Um, we're not going to do our favorite stuff of the year in our end of the show. We'll probably save that for next year or next, well, next year, also next episode. We're also kind of weirdly in between breaks. So we're not going to have, we didn't do a show last weekend we're not doing a show this coming weekend so we wanted to kind of split it in half and do a show today so if you're one of those people that are you know kind of regularly relying on us on a monday apologies for that um but unfortunately family holiday schedules etc etc so cameron uh big news on the front on on your front Mm -hmm. talk to me what happened man yeah so this was a long time coming honestly uh, but I sold my legacy collection. Like I just kind of flat out took it to a buyer a dealer and, and sold it. I felt like I got a fair price for what it was. It, I mean, having to go through eBay or and individually try to sell cards and, and we're talking like a lot of this stuff is, you know, dual lands, Gaia's cradles. Like, I mean, I have a lot of stuff that's in the reserve list. So you want to take it to somewhere where, it can get authenticated and you know it's all on the up and up so um anyway i i did that and um made some money and then bought a guitar (laughs) instead and honestly i think that that was for me a better investment it's something i'm going to be doing a lot more often than some of these cards have just been sitting in a binder dude since uh gp kansas city 2019 when i went with you and you were i think sick that weekend um very and but I, at the time, had sold a ton of modern stuff. I mean, I was like, I'm, I'm done with modern. I don't really want to play it. And so, I, I mean, I picked up, at the time, you know, Gaius Cradles. And I was building towards elves and junk and, like, all these things that I could do on the green side of things. And um, COVID hit, and I just never touched that stuff. Um, and I thought, well, I'll just – anytime I went back to Legacy, it's like, well, I want to play Blue-White Control or – blue white x or whatever like that um that's just more of my jam so i just never got back to the real swing of playing legacy um and so like those cards were just sitting there and i look at like deck lists and they're just so wildly unbalanced now where something like death and taxes i mean things get reprinted all the time now all the time where like, I just don't know if like my wastelands are actually going to maintain the value that they were at the time. I mean, I spent 
I think $100 on those, and they're what, like $25 a piece now? So I took a bath on those. I took a bath on like my Caracas. I took a bath on my Stoneforges. Like there's so many things. Well, maybe not Stoneforge at the time, but there's a lot of these cards that I took a bath on, lost money on, and I have these other cards that are just absurd, and it's just completely out of balance, where like if I wanted to play Elves and not play, run Gaius Cradle and maybe play Nykthos or something like that instead, I can do that, you know? And I'm not playing in like actual tournaments. I'm not actually making any real money from these legacy cards anymore, so... Uh, long story short, I just I, I needed to bite the bullet. Um, Pioneer is where it's at for me. If I'm not going to be playing Pioneer, I'd much rather be drafting. Or hopefully when a, we have a good standard, I can just spend $200 and have a really good standard deck, right? Well, and, and just to point that out, like I just went to Goldfish and just looked at the price of death and taxes, and it's under a grand because of how many things have been reprinted. Yeah. Now, I want to say this. Like... There is a fine line here, right? Like, we want their cards to have some sort of value. Some cards are naturally going to go down in value. Um, you know, maybe Tarmogoyf is or isn't a good <laughs> example of this, right? Yeah. But I would say the big problem with Legacy especially is all these supplemental products have also made it really hard to keep up with. So if you wanted to play via webcam or travel to play Legacy, if you're a Midwestern Legacy player, it's been very rough on that front. And... I know Heritage has tried to address those things, but there there is a certain level of how long are you going to stay on a, on on this ship, right? Like, if we're competitive players, I, this is going to sound horrible, but I really view your deck or your collection as like a set of golf clubs, right? It allows you to engage with your hobby, and you might have an emotional attachment to some of them because mm -hmm. of like memories or whatever, but largely they are a functional thing that lets you engage with a hobby and when you can no longer engage with that hobby it's time to liquidate and move on i've just never been the guy that treats these things like investments um and legacy is so unrecognizable from the version that you and i had played yeah 10 years ago yeah by the way 10 years ago cameron um yeah it's it's a little alarming right <laughs> i watched a I, I watched a youtube video of the like the deck tech of inside the deck for maverick and that was a YouTube video from 10 years ago. So I know different we're... world, we're, right? It's a different world. <laughs> it's a different world. And I'm engaging with Magic purely on a um, digital front. I know you're playing a lot more digital these days, and, and it looks like you've been playing Explorer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been playing a lot of Explorer and Pioneer, and like you... This week especially, I've been getting that taste of like, okay, we're getting really, really close to this being Pioneer, and I love it. But what's really intriguing right now is that Explorer is, uh, there's just enough little differences and nuances between these decks that um, it's feeling really kind of fresh and just trying to like maximize what does this blue-red tokens deck that I'm playing right now look like? Can it actually translate to something in um, pioneer a few months down the road. I, I don't know. But, you know, like there's just some really interesting things uh, that I, I just really like what what this format is is right now. Um, it's very aggro heavy, which honestly is totally fine. Like I would say blue-white control is not the best deck right now, um, and it can get trounced on. But, like, I mean, 
I have one of my lists. I'm running five rafts, you know, of, of different versions. Um, and I mean, <laughs> see you later, mono green, see you later, green, red, like, like I can do all of that. Right. So, I mean, like, I don't know, there's just something really interesting about this format right now that just feels great. And to your point last week, you were mentioning, or two weeks ago, whatever, how like there are now like these pillars that just really do feel like analogs to something like Legacy, where you have a combo deck, you have your big mana deck, you have your blue-red tempo deck, and it's really satiating a thirst that I forgot that I had you know as far as like that what is filling for the legacy i guess and please for the love of god let's not have any supplemental products dude like can we can we just say we've learned our lesson there yeah honestly and i forgot to mention this like one of the reasons i i I was looking at like a blue white controller a jeskai control list in legacy comet the stellar pup is now like a planeswalker That you're seeing in Jeskai Control. So you got Teferi, Narset, you know, (laughs) Jace the Mind Sculptor, iconic Planeswalkers in a blue-eyed control list, and Comet the Stellar Pup, which I don't even know what this card does. I didn't, I like, I saw the artwork, I saw that it was like supplemental product, and I'm like, I am done. I am done with this. Hate it. Hate it so much. I, I'm trying to see. Have you ever played against the supplemental uh, planeswalker that creates the hamster? No. Okay. <laughs> I, you're like, what are you talking about, Curtis? And I and I want to be happy for you that you live in a world where you don't know what this is <laughs> or that you've never had to deal with it. So like, it is. It is. I mean a terrible terrible thing that's been visited upon us but anyway comment the stellar pup for those uh geez this is a giant planeswalker uh it's from unfinity it's from an unset cameron okay and you roll a dice so fantastic great (laughs) um so yeah i can tell you're into it point being is yeah there's there's one that's like there's a new planeswalker where you could you play it i think on four but blue-white control decks in Legacy were splashing this green-red planeswalker. Because you, you play it, you get a 4-4 haste creature, and then you the other active, activated ability is sacrifice a creature, deal that much damage to any target, and draw cards equal to that creature's power. So you could deal four, draw four. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> so, like, the design quality, and look, Maybe this is going to come up a lot for me, and I apologize. But the design quality of these supplemental products is so far underneath that you forget how well-designed Magic was. And then there's all these moments where I'm playing Flesh and Blood, and a card has a limitation. Like, it stops you from doing a certain very specific thing, like or they build in an activate ability that you can only do once a turn. There's all these limitations because it's like, oh, that's what makes this a balance game. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I, I don't know how the flavor people are doing with this because I know nothing about the lore or the flavor, but seeing the cosmic pup kind of made my stomach churn a little bit. Is that terrible? That's exactly how I felt, man. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, well, hey. <laughs> hey, Pioneer's good. I, <laughs> Explorer's good. Yeah, and Explorer's good, too. And I think the reason it's good is because it's avoiding these things. And, like, they claim nobody's playing Explorer and nobody wants it. So just keep thinking that. Let us have our thing. Okay? You, you've ruined Standard. Legacy. Modern. Commander. <laughs> Could you please just let us... Oh, Cube. Could cube. you please just leave one thing for us? That's all I'm asking is just one. Yeah. An Explorer would be that thing. Okay? Um, Standard, Cameron. Now, hmm. I'm not here to tell you that Standard has all the way changed its colors. If you're wondering, is Grixis still easily the best deck? The answer to that question is yes. However, there are a multitude of other decks that have popped up and made Standard, I think, a little bit more palatable, a little bit better. And I would say that the problem is we don't have a Star City Pro Tour thing to like really push the innovation. <clears throat> but both Mono White, I should say Mono White, Mono Red, and Mono Blue have been popping up in a lot more common numbers. Sorry, the car advertisement is playing in the back. <laughs> so sorry if the microphone picked that up. But both, all three of those decks have started to make waves and actually put a dent in what was previously Grixis's really dominant showing. Uh, there is a blue-white soldiers deck that's been around for a little bit, mm -hmm. um, and there's also a blue-white control uh, deck that I've been playing and having pretty reasonable success with. It's playing the new Teferi, it's playing Wandering Emperor, it's playing, I think it's called Lay Down Arms, it's the new Swords to Plowshares mm -hmm. variant, and that's a really strong card, right? Yeah. Um, <coughs> also plays Restoration of Iganjo. So, kind of, look, I'm playing to type, this is the kind of deck I like to play. Yeah. Um, I like to play the kind of deck that Grixis is too, but I'm, I'm a little played out on that front. But if you're burnout on standard, Give this a shot on Arena. I think mm -hmm. you'll find a lot to like there. I I just also want to give a quick shout out to how these people that are winning with Mono Blue Delver. How you are doing this, I don't know. Yeah. Every time I've never played with the deck, I've played against it, and I've seen different versions of it on paper. And every time, it seems god awful, Cameron. <laughs> like seriously, seriously terrible. So you guys out there are the real heroes. You're mm. the real ones because how you're doing this, I don't know, but props, could, right? Could I just ask, like, how is the new Teferi? Um, because I do like a lot of what he has going on. I just have always thought that maybe he was just too unplayable in the standard. But maybe with something like Wandering Emperor kind of playing support, it seems like a great card. I just I'm curious what you think of it. Uh, it's very good. It's kind of, it does a reasonable imitation in this deck of old five mana Teferi. Um, frequently, you are right from the jump minusing it um, and creating your blocker, right? If you get to a place where they untap uh, and they have not killed the creature and you're able to draw with him, you're very likely to win that game, Okay. <clears throat> there is this weird interaction with uh, Sanctuary Warden and the Teferi because Sanctuary Warden says you can remove a counter from a creature or planeswalker to draw a card whenever it ETBs or when you attack, 
Well, you remove it from Teferi, you draw the card, the counter goes back onto Teferi. So when you have those two in play, usually you win the game quite easily because you're essentially drawing cards, but also your Sanctuary Warden isn't losing any of its own counters, which is a strange, bizarre interaction. I want to say this, like, Lauren of the Third Path is one of the weirdest trap cards ever because when you look at that, you're like, wait, why do I want this? The, the tap ability has is, is almost never come up. Like, I think I've made it draw me a, a Wrath or attempted to get it to draw me a Wrath. But what that should say is, when this enters the battlefield, blow up Fable of the Mirror Breaker. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> that is what this thing is doing, right? Um, but you kind of, this, this is the kind of deck that it is. Like, you really have to survive those first few turns. And if you manage that, you're in really good shape. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good control deck. It is a tap-out style control. There are zero counter spells main deck so you know just know that going in that you're trying to curve out and then your top end is supposed to beat their top end right Mm -hmm. um but i would say hey maybe standard has gone from a four to a six for me all right like i was really not enjoying it before um so everybody whenever people say you know innovation comes too fast and formats get solved too quickly well, sometimes you kind of get the stale leftovers of the previous one, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I would I would also say that I right now my experience with Esper is that it's been not very good. Esper aggro, Rafine aggro. Yeah. Like I still am of the opinion that Grixis is the better deck. All right, Cameron. So I want to look back on 2022. It's our last podcast of 2022. Um, I wanted to just start with the sets. We could also talk about some cards. Um, here are the main box, like, release products that came out this year, okay? Anastra Double Feature. Commander Collection. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Challenger Decks. Streets of New Capenna. Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. That was our sub out for the yeah. um, core set. <coughs> Double Masters 2022, Dominaria United, Unfinity, Universes Beyond, Warhammer 40K, The Brothers War, and Jumpstart 2022. Now, worth pointing out, there were many more sealed products in this, not including the ridiculous amount of secret layers, but like every set had its own commander release, right? But just taken as a whole, um... Favorite, least favorite from that crew, Cameron. Mm, yeah. Um, I've totally forgot that Neon Dynasty came out this past year. Uh, it was a good set. I really, really liked and enjoyed mm-hmm. that one. And honestly, every single like standard-centric set, like your actual regular release magic thing, those four sets, four, right? Yeah, New Capenna. Kamigawa, Brothers, Dominaria, Brothers War. Yeah. All really, really good. Like, honestly, like, genuinely good limited products. Okay as far as standard. I think there was this, there were some things that we really do need to address that still haven't been addressed. But overall, those four sets were really, really good. Um, so those have stood out to me as being great. And Wizards, if you're listening, 
continue to do that. Stop with everything else. Stop. Give us maybe like one master set a year if that's like really the thing that you want to do. Get re- like this is just a broken record for me. The supplemental product needs to stop. It is it's it's just engorging this game to the point of just incomprehensible nonsense. Well, playing a non-rotating format is now a dicey thing, right? That's yeah. not Commander. I think Commander and Cube get to kind of live in their own little bubble, and that's cool, right? Um, <clears throat> but again, if you're a legacy player, I don't know how you track all this, right? Like it's got to be a little bit of a nightmare. Um, to your point, I would, I would say Dominaria United was my f- personal favorite set. Mm-hmm. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty coming slightly in behind that. But again, Brothers War, definitely not a bad set. Streets of New Capena, yeah. not a bad set, Fine. Yeah. right? Um, but these other things, like, I didn't even realize it was called Double Masters 2022. Yeah. I knew there was a master set that came out. And I guess to your point, there is one master set. But then there's, you know, there's all these other things, right? And anecdotally, I've heard that Infinity and Baldur's Gate did not sell well. But the Warhammer sold very, very well. So, you know, maybe there is something to that. But I think with Warhammer... That's the example of a product that I can ignore, mm-hmm. right? As soon as you say it's that brand, and it's a brand that I don't dislike, but I don't have any affinity for, I can go, okay, well, that's for somebody else. But with these other things, like Unfinity, I don't really care for the unsets, but then you're saying, oh, hey, but things are legacy playable. And it's like, sigh, well, now I have to look at this, mm-hmm. right? So this whole idea of like just ignore the things that you don't like is really impossible because I have to know that I don't like it. Yeah. Right. And that's a bizarre like <laughs> thing to understand. It's like, how would I know that I don't want this? Right. Yeah. And it's a it's a dicey thing to do. So I, I would say the big takeaway from this is to your point, especially on a limited level, Streets of New Capena was the only one I didn't engage with that much on a limited level. And a lot of people complained because it had the, you know, stay in your lane, Strixhaven kind of thing, um, or Ravnica thing. But all these other ones, especially in terms of limited, have been really quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, standard, we're still we're we're still dealing with some things, some fallout, but it could be, and it has been a lot worse. I mean, obviously, the takeaway from this year is that competitive magic is still not back. Obviously, the takeaway is alchemy has been a abysmal failure i think it's been a little bit more than a year that it's been around but like would anyone say that that's been a success and i feel like that from watsi's perspective look thought they thought that was going to be their competitive product right yeah um that all of us spikes would be in on all right so cameron i thought not a lot of cards got banned this year this is our in memoriam segment um (laughs) january Allrun's Epiphany, Divide by Zero, and Faithless Haven got banned in standard. Do you remember this? I forgot about Allrun. Yes. Uh, Legacy, Raghavan Mm. is banned. I do remember that. Yeah. Historic, Memory Lapse is banned. I don't even know that I should go into Historic because that's basically a dead format to us. Mm -hmm. March... Luris gets banned in Modern and Pioneer. Mm. 
in uh, May. So this is a weird one. May Tybalt's Trickery in Winota got banned in Explore. That's right. But she wasn't banned in Pioneer yet until the following month when Winota got banned along with Expressive Iteration in both Pioneer and Explore. We lost both. Poor one out for Expressive Iteration. Yeah. yeah. So many free wins from that card. You know? <laughs> um, and then let's see. Oh, yeah. October. This is the uh, what's what's the stupid raptor the the life loss raptor <laughs> yes uh, yeah the, the that award yeah um <laughs> meat hook massacre meat hook massacre yeah um a card which changed nothing and <laughs> perplexed maybe, everyone <laughs> maybe the most ineffectual ban of all time maybe maybe mono red now is actually playable and it wasn't before sure. but I doubt it and then in modern Yorion the Sky Nomad mm. band so there is your uh, in memoriam any takeaways from this Cameron uh, man this feels like a long year when you say things like Yorion or uh, yeah Alrin's Epiphany or whatever like I I totally forgot that that stuff happened obviously it was at the start of the year but like Man, what a wild year for standard. When I really think about like w- my kind of roller coaster ride and somehow like the roller coaster got stuck in the little valley and I haven't gotten out yet. So they need to pull me out before I can get back to it. But crazy year. Yeah, the rampaging ferocidon award. There we go. Thank you. I remember when that got banned and I had played against an opponent at like a game day and that was in their sideboard. And I was like, it wasn't even in their main deck and it got banned. I was like, what? <laughs> um, but yeah, like to your point, I, a lot more cards got banned this year than I thought. I remember divide by zero me saying i think that's the best card in standard and yep people thinking like what is wrong with this dude right um but no that that is that is interesting the other thing that's notable is that rockavon's been banned for a year in legacy but is just allowed to hang out and just do whatever in modern oh, yeah yeah and we're kind of close getting close to the point where the power level between those two formats is I mean, it's closer than it's ever been, right? Yeah, like, it's pretty negligible now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Raghavan, they're probably not going to ban ever, which is kind of shocking and sad. But um, any other takeaways from Yield 2022, Cameron? <sighs> it's been a rough year, man. I'm going to say it's just been a rough year. For somebody who wants the Star City level events weekly i mean i know like that's just going to take time to build to like there has to be a company that's been willing to actually do that um the the magic that i want from 2015 um i don't know if i'll ever get back you know so like in that sense my heart really really hurts um but that being said there are some like nice little shining beacons of hope dotted throughout like this weird year um, Explorer Pioneer being one. Um, really good limited magic, honestly, being another. Yeah, uh, I would echo all that, right? Like, 
maybe we're trending in the right direction. And like, at some point, this leadership will leave us, right? This the, mm-hmm. whoever's driving the ship at Watsi, and hopefully those things will change. But like again, it's really I I was in the card shop and somebody was talking about buying modern for a modern RCQ, and I kind of had this moment of, for what? What's what's at the end of that rainbow, man? You know what are we what are you hoping for, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the first uh, the second of many flesh and blood. Re- blood references like i would encourage people to look at their tier system it is alarmingly clear their structure for competitive play and i don't know why this is so hard for magic and also like i said i've talked to now i've talked to a couple pokemon players that i didn't realize that the exact same occurrence is happening with pokemon Hmm. they pulled out a competitive play and all these things and it's just it's kind of shocking that they would leave that behind for such a short-term game, but uh, what are you going to do? Anyway, Cameron, next week, we'll, or not next week, mm-hmm. uh, like a week yeah, and a half, yeah, we'll be back yeah. with uh, with our year favorites in terms of other stuff, but also talking a lot about like kind of where we see Magic heading, what we'd like to do. We'll try not to bag on alchemy too much. Or we will. But, Who knows? <laughs> but I'll be will. Honestly, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help Watsi out. I will draft a apology letter for them live on the air that they can just plagiarize. They can just use that apology letter. And and for your charge, Cameron, you know, I've been married for a long time. I'm very good yeah. at apologizing. Right? You are a gentleman and scholar. Right. Clearly they don't know how to do it. Clearly they don't know how to extricate themselves from this ridiculous farcical format. I will help. I will help. <laughs> All right, Cameron, let's let's get out of this segment, come back and talk about what else we've been up to. So, Cameron, I feel like for the first time in a long time, we have both seen the film that's in question here. Yeah, it's probably been since in, like the last Star Wars film. <laughs> yeah, probably, but I, I'm, as the kids would say, I'm a Ryan Johnson stan. I really like his work. Yeah. I'm interested to hear how Glass Onion landed on you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I do have regret regrets that I didn't see this in the theater just because I think this would have been a good theater-going experience. That being said, it looked great on Netflix, yada, yada, yada. It's Watch it if you haven't already. So, um, yeah, overall, very, very positive reactions to Glass Onion, um, which is the follow-up successor to the, um, gosh, incredibly fun um i don't even know what it's called now but the other ryan johnson murder mystery with uh james bond knives out knives out thank you uh which (laughs) despite me not remembering the name of it thoroughly loved that movie um this one i i enjoyed a lot i would say i I, just on first blush i still like that first one a lot more i think just because of like (laughs) you know it Fresh eyes. I'm like, what is this? This is incredible. The dialogue and everything is sharp and witty. I love the mystery that was going on in that one. Uh, I guess if we just go straight into like the spoiler territory with this, um, wasn't a huge fan of like the twist and how they kind of broke the movie into two parts where like it's very strategic with the editing as far as like leading up to the big twist that happens right in the middle of the movie 
we cut away several times throughout it. So you, you get like that pers- person's perspective through the second half of the movie. Um, and I just felt like the payoff wasn't as satisfying as I was hoping or wanting. Um, that being said, like this is still like one of the better movies, entertainment popcorn films that I've seen this year. Um, it was just like it just I, I had some like minor quibbles with how it was structured and the final payoff of of what was going on. I, I would say to me, the ending dropped the ball a little bit. Mm-hmm. I felt like the actual resolution felt a little half baked. Um, and maybe half baked is the wrong word. It felt a little rushed and not as strong as what you would expect out of an Agatha Christie style payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I enjoyed the 85% leading up to that. And I didn't think the end was a disaster. I just thought it was not up to the standard of the rest of the film. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's really um, fair. Yeah. And, and there are some really, one of the things I love about Ryan Johnson is there's these really itty bitty small uh, performances that are just filled with so much, not only context, but character development. And uh, there's a, a mom, like a Batista's mom, is in this thing for like four lines and serves not only as comic relief, but a great piece of character development for his character and why he is the way he is right and (laughs) i gotta be honest with you the only performance that fell a little flat to me was edward norton Mm. i just felt like he was just trying to imitate uh, a certain eccentric billionaire and that didn't i don't know it just didn't really speak to me (coughs) i agree with that yeah uh it felt a little flat and a little bit like, Adrian Brody in succession on his island was way more yeah. believable as a secluded billionaire. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, if you're if you're if you're in the market for secluded billionaire island sequence, I succession. think we can agree the succession a little bit stronger on that front. Um, but still, like a really really good movie, and all Ryan Johnson's movies are even. What's the one Looper? I think oh, is yeah. probably yeah. is least like my least favorite movie of his, and it's really good. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I, I like this better than that, but um, yeah, and I also like that the structure of these because apparently there's going to be more of these. Yeah, is the detective really isn't the main character? He's serving as the conduit for the main character. And that is just immensely intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, and did you have any other thoughts, Cam? No, no. I mean, like I said, like it's one of the better things I've seen um, this year, and just thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, yeah, yeah. Go watch it <laughs> for sure. Um, well, hey, no, no big flesh and blood updates this week, except mm-hmm. for like I, I'm, I'm buying in and all that. But I do want to just. This is not this is not hashtag sponsored, but Christmas gifts um, came came my way, and my wife for the second time has bought me a wormwood deck box. Have you Ooh. ever used one of these, Cameron? Yeah, I, I've seen them around. I think I've seen yours actually. It's beautiful looking. So the one that she bought me, I want to say eight years ago, 
it's so if you don't know these are kind of premium uh deck boxes that you know i think they started like 60 bucks and go up depending on the kind of wood that you want but they also do premium dice they even have a, a role-playing game table that i think there's like a year plus wait list to get um but i love like this is gonna sound like a commercial <laughs> but uh i'm in this unique position where i've i've purchased a deck box or i got a deck box you know, X amount of years ago, and then I have the new design. And the new design is, like, slightly better, but I think it speaks to the craftsmanship that I have this deck box. And I've used it literally for every tournament for basically, you know, eight years. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not, I'm going to keep using it. And then I got a second one. I was like, sweet, now I can take two decks to the tournament. <laughs> right? Where the where I do have a bunch of these ultra pro, you know, the classic oh, you know, yeah, metal yeah, classic class leather thing. thingy, yeah. Yeah, and the problem with the magnetic ones is I don't know how many times I've reached into my bag, <laughs> pulled out the magnetic one, and then we just vomit cards all over the floor. Yeah. The wormwood one is not the case with that, and also is that like a leather clasp on that? Is that what's going on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it yeah. snaps off oh, all yeah. the way, See, that's but it's also big yeah. enough. So whenever you have a flesh and blood card that's in a hard case because it's a piece of equipment, they also fit in there. Nice. So, um, I'm a big fan. Is what I'm trying to tell you, Cameron. Anyway, that's that's my other card game moment. Look at a wormwood deck box if you haven't. It's and if you want to treat yourself one day, yeah, or stocking stuffer. Of, that's a great idea. Yeah, yeah, and man, they 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 do dice and all these other things that are kind of premium as well. But if you're in the market for that kind of thing, right? And I think, hey, you you spend you spend a thousand dollars plus on your deck. Maybe put it in something more than a $10 piece of plastic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's reasonable, right? Um, Cameron, if someone would like to talk to you about premium uh, role-playing game supplies, where could they find you? <laughs> that's all on Twitter, at Cameron underscore McCoy. And I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is at SpikeFeedMTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>